0: At the Clark College Hannah Hall, 1933 Fort Vancouver Way in Vancouver, Washington. More information can be found at Kabu.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Kabu Community Radio is hiring a news and public affairs director to manage the evening news and public affairs programming and to train and supervise volunteers. For this full-time position, we're looking for someone with proven experience in news and public affairs production, management and supervisory skills with volunteers, with an emphasis on teamwork in a collaborative setting, and ability to work under strict deadlines. KBOO Community Radio is an equal opportunity and affirmative action employer. People of color and women are encouraged to apply. The deadline to apply is Monday, July 1st at midnight. More information can be found at kebufm employment. This is KBOO Portland. It's 9 o'clock, and that means it's time for the beloved community with host John Shuck speaking live with filmmaker Massimo Masuko about his latest documentary, American Moon. At 10, Patricia Welch talks to the Vancouver NAACP about their upcoming Juneteenth celebration. At 10.30, Film at 11 welcomes Just Jess of the Monday Sampler to discuss some recent Netflix movies, including Unicorn Store and Rim of the World. At 11, The Digital Divide features Rabia Yehman speaking with author George Dyson about his book, Turing's Cathedral, a story of how the most constructive and most destructive of 20th century inventions, the digital computer and the hydrogen bomb, emerged at the same time. Don't forget that you can hear all these programs after they air on uh, on KBOO.fm or on iTunes and Google Play. All of these KBU programs are made possible by members support. That's you all. What, you've not yet become a member of the KBOO Foundation? You can remedy that oversight at KBOO.fm. Click on the donate link. And now, as promised, here is the beloved community.
1: The aftermath of non-violence is the creation of the beloved community. The aftermath of non-violence is redemption. The aftermath of non-violence is reconciliation. The aftermath of violence is bitterness. And this is the thing I'm concerned about. Let us fight passionately and unrelentingly for the goals of justice and freedom. But let's be sure that our hands are clean in the struggle. Let us never fight with falsehood and violence and hate and malice, but always fight with love, so that when the day comes that the walls of segregation have completely crumbled in Montgomery, that we will be able to live with people as our brothers and sisters.
2: My, uh, this is the beloved Community. I'm John Chuck. Good morning. Uh, very excited to be here today with my guest, Massimo Mazuko. I'll uh, uh, talk with him in, in just a few minutes here on, on on the beloved community on KBOO. My name is John Shuck. every second Friday, uh, we bring you the beloved community, uh, looking at uh, resources for activism and social justice and spirituality and truth and goodness. And uh, you can find uh, information uh, about the show and about me on my website, ProgressiveSpirit.net. I actually have a new website coming out. It's, it's up. Uh, not a lot on it, but it's growing. Uh, it's simple. JohnShuck.com. JohnShuck.com. You can go there and uh, find all my previous uh, radio shows, uh, Progressive Spirit and so forth there, as well as all of my other heresies. Got a heresy today. This is the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11. The nagging question remains: Did it really happen? Were the images seen by hundreds of millions, a half billion, on live television actually from the moon, or from a NASA simulator? Italian filmmaker Massimo Mazzucco is one of has one of the most comprehensive films yet about the moon landings, and he explores all sides of the controversy. His 2017 film, American Moon, looks at the best evidence both for and against the moon landings. Plus, the film analyzes for the first time ever the Apollo pictures in detail with commentary from some of the top photographers in the world. You decide. Was the Apollo project quote, the biggest achievement in the history of mankind, or the biggest fakery of all times. The film is available on Vimeo. You can rent or buy it. Uh, search Vimeo, uh, moon, American moon, and you can find it there. You can also watch the trailer on uh, on the website, on the KBOO.fm uh, slash beloved community website. I have a link to that, and I will have a link to it on on. Progressive Spirit and Facebook and and all of that. So you can watch the trailer, catch the film on Vimeo. I speak live with Massimo Mazzucco today uh, from Italy about his film, and we'll take your calls. That phone number is 503-231- 8187-503-231-8187. Eight one eight seven five You'll have an opportunity uh, to speak with Massimo Mazuko himself. In addition to American Moon, Massimo Mazuko has produced uh, the following films, others, inclu- besides even these, uh, The New American Century uh, in 2007, which was a view of America's historical, philosophical, economic, and political background. In 2008, The Other Dallas, a documentary on Robert F. Kennedy's assassination, also broadcast by Italian TV, that claims that uh, the man convicted for the crime, Sirhan Sirhan, could not have physically killed the U.S. senator. The Lords of the World in 2009 was another film by Massimo Mazzucco. Uh, The UFO History. And the military persistent interference, both American and Russian, in what seems to be a much larger issue than one would normally believe. Uh, He also produced the film Cancer, the Forbidden Cures in 2010, all the successful cures against cancer discovered in the last hundred years uh, and claims that they were suppressed. And The True History of Marijuana. He came up with this one. I uh, produced this one in 2011. The True History of Marijuana digs deep into expose a worldwide conspiracy led by the petrochemical industry that has outlawed one of the most useful plants known to mankind. And then the film that really open my eyes up to a lot of things came out in 2013 massimo Mizuko's september 11 the new pearl harbor a five-hour documentary that uh, refutes the commonly accepted account of 9-11 and shows the resulting analysis by the national institute of standards and technology nist to be deeply and fundamentally flawed that's the filmmaker I have on today. Uh, he is um, Massimo Mizuka. We're trying to get him on the phone, and uh, we are going to work on that. Um, he is also, by the way, calling. Uh, I believe here, so we're going to see if we can't if we can't get him. Uh, Sonia, what, what are we? Is, he, is she working on that right now? Um, all right. So we're we're gonna we're get we're gonna get Hick him hooked up um, from Italy, and while we do that, we're just gonna take a little break and play this uh, song by uh, the B52s, and we'll get him connected here, um, which will inspire us uh, for today's show. There's a moon in the sky. Uh, it's called the Moon by the B52s, and then I'm gonna check it out. All right. The Joys of Community Radio. We got a hold of Massimo Mizuko from Italy. Uh, fantastic. Massimo, are you there?
3: Yes, I'm here. Hello, John. How
0: are you?
2: Wonderful. So glad to have you here. Uh, I already did the introduction for you, uh, telling you about, uh, folks, about the uh, the film here, American Moon, as well as some of your previous films, uh, New American Century, The Other Dallas, The Lords of the World, Cancer, The Forbidden Cures, The True History of Marijuana, September 11, The New Pearl Harbor, and, of course, the film we want to talk about today, American Moon. Uh, how did you decide to make a film about to the make- Apollo project?
4: Oh,
3: it's a very, very interesting story because normally I am, you know, I'm inclined to look at conspiracies, historical conspiracies from, from a conspiracy point of view. Uh-huh. In this case, it came, it came from a professional point of view. In that, uh, in my in the early part of my life, I'm 65 now, when I was between 20 and 40, I was a, a professional photographer, fashion photographer. I was actually working all over the world, including the States. I was working for magazines such as Mademoiselle, 17, Glamour. So I was, you know, pretty good, I would say. Uh-huh. And uh, I knew my, my, my trade pretty well. And one day, I bumped into in, in around the year 2000 when NASA online all the Apollo pictures uh, uh, in high definitions in high definition. I, I, I bumped into those pictures and I looked at them with, with a professional eye. And what the professional eye was was absolutely shocking because uh, I realized that those pictures had exactly the same shortcomings that my pictures had when I tried to replicate the sunlight in the studio. As a professional photographer, sooner or later in your life, you'll try to replicate the sunlight in the studio because you just don't want to go on trips everywhere and, and, uh, and, and having to wait for the clouds to go away. So you, you just sit there on a beach waiting for the sun to go away, and you think, could I do this at home in my studio in my own watch? And you try, and you can, but 90%, meaning there's always going to be a problem. And when I looked at those pictures, I saw exactly the same problems I had in my own studio when I tried to replicate the sunlight. So it started with with a professional eye. And then I, you know, the first thing I did was, uh, is it me, the conspiracy theorist in me that sees problems where there aren't? So I I called up uh, uh, the the famous photographer I I used to work for and the one who taught me the trade. His name is Oliviero Toscani. He is known in America probably before the Benetton campaigns and many others. Anyway, he was very, he still is a very, very top photographer. So I called him up and says, Oliviero, what did you think when you saw the Apollo pictures for the first time. And he said, and I quote him literally, he said, had they asked me to do them, I would have done a much better job. <laughs> so then, that's when I knew it wasn't me. It was, it was really a problem. So the idea was, okay, how do I prove this? If I say that these pictures are taken in the studio, nobody's going to believe me because I am the quote-unquote conspiracy theorist. So let's go and interview some of the most famous photographers in the world, which took me a while to hook up with, but I, I eventually did. And just present them with the pictures and ask them what they think. And they all came up with the same exact objections that I had as a professional, meaning uh, the light is artificial. Basically, I'm 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 simplifying now very much.
2: But that was the big part, wasn't it? It was the replicating the sunlight, which was it's hard to do now, let alone in 1969.
3: Uh, you cannot replicate the light of the sun because the sun. Is such a huge source of light compared to, to the Earth that its rays uh, travel parallel to us, and you uh, you know no matter how large your source, your artificial source is in the studio, it will always be the rays, the light rays will always be diverging because it's going to be a spotlight. Uh, you can make it strong, but it's still going to be a spotlight. The rays come out of the f- source and they diverge in an angle, and the impossible thing to replicate is exactly the parallel rays that come from the sun. A trained eye will see that immediately. Obviously, a LA layman, uh, you know, the, the, the normal person who's not a photographer will not see the difference. But for us, in in, in our business, this is a this is huge red flag.
2: And so that was a and consensus, that, a consensus then among uh, the photographers that you interviewed. And you uh, you spent over an hour in that movie looking at a lot of the the photographs. Or really, it was a consensus that that was a, the real problem with the uh, the video footage that we have uh, gleaned uh, uh, inherited from NASA.
3: Uh, yeah, the, the the consensus is mostly on the pictures, not on the video footage. Okay, uh, the video footage has other problems, different problems, which I that which I found later. But you know, just to complete the 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 answer to your first question, I started with the photography part, and then I went on to look at also all the other problems, which other researchers had already pointed out in many cases. You know, the problem in going through the Van Allen belts. Uh, the problem with radiation in general, uh, the problem with the, with the suspension cables, the, the the steel cables that they might have used in case they were in a studio and you could actually see them in some cases. So I found all the evidence and I, and I put them together. The film is base, basically two main blocks, actually three main blocks. One block is the the reasons in favor of the moon landing. so I also introduced my the, the, the opposition, so to speak. I let them the, the so-called the bunkers speak. Uh, their piece and, and, and try to explain why they believe that we went to the moon. So if you got the film, you got both sides of the fence, so to speak. Then I analyzed all the technical problems that had to do with the mission, and the third part is the one you mentioned about the photography. I think the, the one about the photography it's really the one that puts a nail in the coffin of, of, of this issue because once you have some of these photographers who are not at all uh, conspiracy theorists. Uh, they're just photographers. I asked them specifically. I will not ask you whether you think we went to the moon or not. I will simply pr- present you with pictures, and you'll tell me about the light, the angle, the reflectors, the, this and this and that, technically. And these are all photographers, by the way, who used to already work in the 70s, so they know exactly the cameras that were used by, uh, by, the, uh, by the photographers, by the professionals in the 70s, and the kind of film. So we know exactly what we're talking about. I was an assistant then, I also knew about that. The same film that Apollo used, I was loading it every single day, 100 times a day for photographers when I was an assistant. So know exactly what that kind of film can do and cannot do. And when you see those results, they're pretty near to a miracle. And uh, you you just have to conclude that no, that there are artificial lights, there are uh, additional uh, reflecting panels, You could not have taken those pictures with a single source of light being the sun on the moon. That is the the main technical conclusion.
2: Massimo Mazzucco is my guest. He's uh, live uh, with me on the Beloved Community from Italy. If you'd like to join the conversation, the phone number in the studio is 503-231-8187, 503-231-8187. You know, there's another aspect to it, it in terms of the, the technical aspect of photography, the, the whole idea of filmmaking itself. I think that, that gave you an eye to this as well. Uh, for example, the film begins um, with clips from a 1902 film about a trip to the moon, uh, images paralleling uh, the Apollo 11, uh, taking off, landing on the moon, stepping out into the moon, seeing Earth from the moon, leaving the moon, landing in the ocean. It appears that the moon landing was a, was a script <laughs> from long before, somewhat imprinted on us. It, it, there's a As I watch that, and as well as even their September 11th film, there, the muddy, the water is muddy between uh, what we might say Hollywood and what we might say uh, news filming. Can you comment a little bit Uh, about that?
3: Well, the filming part is also very tricky. Uh, They had both uh, television cameras on the moon, uh, and, of course, we we all watched what was supposed to be a live first walk on the moon by Neil Armstrong and and, uh, Buzz Aldrin, and they had also film cameras uh, on the moon, 16 millimeters. Those are much higher quality than the television pictures. The problem with television pictures is that uh, in many, many instances see, the, the camera they were using was mounted on, on the rover for the last three missions. On the rover was the little jeep that was going around. This rover had very, very soft uh, suspension system. And the umbrella transmitting to Earth, directly to the Earth, was mounted on the same rover where the, the camera was mounted. And sometimes you have the astronauts in, in during a live transmission, shaking the rover, sitting on it and making it bounce up and down And you can see the frame from the camera going up and down 10, 15, 20, 25 degrees, which means the umbrella that's transmitting also is undulating just as well. And yet the connection doesn't break. I mean, this is a miracle. If you watch, I don't know, a a biking race, for example, the, 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 the little satellite connections that you get today and with today's technology, sometimes disconnects because the bike, the motorcycle is moving from where you're transmitting, and all you need is a little shake and you lose the connection. This never happens from the moon. I mean, we're talking about 250,000 miles away where a two degree angle of mistake will make you miss the Earth completely. And here you have the, the, the umbrella transmitting bouncing for uh, by 15, 20 degrees in angle, and you're gonna lose the connection. So that's another big problem that I pointed out in the film.
2: Now, landing a person on the moon was an ambitious project from the start. Kennedy uh, announced it in, in 1961. So talk about why NASA w- would go to the trouble of, of faking all of this, if that's indeed the case.
3: Okay. Absolutely. This is really important to understand because there is a, a, a misconception, and and that is that the, the so-called moon hoax theory is somehow 180 degrees opposite to the official story. In other words, in the official story, they did everything right, including some problems, but they, they got there. In the so-called uh, moonhawk theory, they just, from the beginning, they, they knew they were going to uh, fool the world. This is not at all my theory. The Both lines, both storylines, proceed uh, parallel at least until 1968. In other words, my opinion is that they did definitely try to go. They made every possible effort only when they got to 1960 after 67 which when they had the big fire of apollo one and everything was stopped the entire program was stopped for over a year that's probably when they realized they could not uh, make it in time by the end of the decade and at that point they already had all the simulation systems that will allow you and this is they, they they tell you in their own documentaries nasa tells you we can simulate an entire lunar mission from takeoff to return to Earth without ever moving from the studio. Okay? Mm. So my theory is that at that point when they realized that they could not go, they already had the simulation systems in place, they look exactly the same. I mean, i must say, you know, they look very, very similar. And somebody must have said, you know what, guys? We cannot afford to tell the world we're not going to make it because we're going to look pretty bad. Let's just use the simulators, which will produce similar image to what we expect to get and since you don't really have the the comparison with what is real and what is not, those images became the reality of the moon.
2: Now immediately the next question comes to mind is, well, how could they possibly pull something like that off with with so many people uh, working on this project uh, uh, all over the place? Wouldn't they have known? How could they fool engineers, for example?
3: Yes. Uh, um, this is a very legitimate uh, Objection to the moon hoax Theory and I addressed it In, in depth in in, in, uh, in The film because it's, it's a legitimate Objection I mean somebody should say you know How could you do that with 400,000 People working for on the Project altogether You cannot just you know I think That the answer is That you don't really need 99.9% Of these people to know that you're not going uh, If the, the images that are fed uh, to the main screen at Houston, at, at Mission Control, are coming from a satellite instead of coming directly from the moon, the first people to be deceived would be exact, uh, actually, those people who are sitting in the Mission Control in Houston who think they're watching a real thing. In other words, my opinion is that it only takes uh, maybe 20, 30, 50 people altogether to be in the know of the hoax. But all the rest will be your first victims. Like, for example, you know, I have a, a parallel. We have the big uh, Volkswagen scandal a couple of years ago. And uh, it turns out that, that Volkswagen had fooled the entire world with, with faking the emission system from their cars. Now, 600,000 people work at Volkswagen. But that does not mean that all 600,000 people had to know about that. Only a few needed to know and the rest who mount the engines and who put the pieces together and who put them on the market, they actually convinced that they're putting out a legitimate uh, piece of work. So uh, the real question is where did the images that we saw as live actually come from? Because uh, if you suppose that those uh, pictures came from a recorded uh, set, recorded studio, then anybody who was watching them would have been fooled, including the people at NASA. Hmm. Um, but now,
2: it wasn't just Apollo 11, right? Uh, the other... Uh, wh- what about the other uh, moon landings? Are they Were, were they uh, also... Um,
3: well, in my opinion, ju- judging from the pictures, uh, okay, for, for those who are not so much uh, in the know, uh, there were six missions to the moon, uh-huh. Apollo 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17. That means uh, 6 times 2, 12 astronauts altogether allegedly walked on the moon. 12 men are actually moonwalkers. Right. The third man of each mission was rotating around the moon and stayed there and waited for them to come back. Uh, judging from the photographic problems, my conclusion is that all the, all the missions were faked. And that's because you can see the same exact photographic problems in all the missions. Now, somebody has suggested, and this is also a, a legitimate suggestion, I would say. They say, well, you know, maybe they did go to the moon, but the pictures turn out bad for some reason. So, in order not to look too bad, they shot them, they reshot them in the studio. So, the theory is, well, maybe the pictures are fake, but the, the moon landings were real. Okay. Okay. Uh, there is a. There is a counter argument to that. It's a little complicated to explain now, but uh, the answer is no. It's impossible because uh, the live, uh, the, the live pictures we saw on television on July 20, 1969, and the pictures taken allegedly on the moon are from the same set. You can say, you can see that there are exactly the same details from the pictures and the video images, which means the set is the same. Which means those images, video and pictures were taken in the same place at the same time. And since the broadcast was live on July 20, 1969. That means that also the pictures had to be taken either on July 20, if the trips were real, or before, but not after that, because they match perfectly, detail by detail. So you could not have broadcast those pictures live and then reenact in a studio with such a perfection in the detail everything that that, that transpired through the videos.
2: My guest, if you're just joining us on The Beloved Community, is Massimo Mazzucco. He is a filmmaker, a journalist, and his uh, film that we're discussing today is American Moon that came out in 2017. And t- 2017. Uh, you can pick it up uh, by for rent or buy on, on Vimeo. Uh, the debunkers, you, you include a number of them, including a fellow Italian, um, and, and including the American television show Mythbusters. Uh, what's the best yes. evidence or argument in favor of of the official account that the Apollo 11 did go to the
3: moon? Well, this I mean, uh, honestly, you should ask them this, really. Uh-huh. But I, I can tell you from, uh, well, and it's not up to me to say what the best argument in favor is, but I tell you that all the best arguments they bring up are easily debunked. So you have a case of debunkers being debunked in this case uh, because, uh, for example, they have the retroreflector sensor um, Hypothesis: They say, the the if you if you beam a uh, laser beam uh, to the moon, it comes back because there's a retroreflector there. So that means that we really went. This is one proof, uh, in, according to them. I have a whole chapters on their proof anyway. But uh, but uh, the answer to that is you could actually uh, bounce uh, a laser beam off the moon and back to Earth and detect it on Earth even without one of those retroreflectors, even four years before it was uh, the moon landing. So that does not it does not account as as a proof. Another proof that they say is the moon rocks. Well, uh, I tell you, it's <laughs> a long it's a long analysis that needs to be made. But no one can actually prove that those. Uh, the bottom line is no one can actually prove that those rocks came from the moon. So, no, some some the of them, in fact, in the account. film you talk
2: about some of them coming actually uh, on an expedition in uh, from a meteorite, right? In uh,
3: yeah, Antarctica. But, uh, well, one thing one thing we know is that they found uh, meteorites from the moon in Antarctica. And strangely enough, in 1967, one year before the first mission to the moon, Werner von Braun had nothing better to do during his holidays to take a trip to Antarctica. There's pictures of him and the NASA people in Antarctica. So I wonder what they were doing. Maybe they were looking at penguins. I don't know. <laughs> Either that or well, collecting rocks that could later use for 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 um, and 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 tell us that they were. Anyway, the bottom line is there is there is really no. Uh, a, sing, a single proof that we went to the Moon. Another proof that's brought up very fr- frequently is that we have images uh, which were taken recently from the probes that were sent around the Moon in 2008-2009. In, in uh, Clementine was one. Uh, the, the other one was called the Orbiter. I don't remember exactly the name. Lunar Orbiter. They all took uh, pictures of the alleged uh, landing sites, and you can actually see in those pictures what is supposed to be the, the leftover from the lamb and leftover from the from the jeep and the, the foot tracks and the, the rover tracks, and you can see that in those pictures. The problem is there are pictures. I mean, my own kid, my own son, we, I give him Photoshop and he can give you today, he can produce those pictures in 20 minutes. So for NASA being criticized for having uh, being accused of having faked like 6,000 pictures back in the, se- in the 70s, 50 years ago you can't come up now with a picture and say this is proof that we landed because I mean those pictures today can be produced in, in 5 minutes and in the digital era a picture can never be a proof of anything anymore back in the 70s the pictures could not be produced in digital you had to go into the dark room I actually spent months and months of my life in a dark room learning all the tricks. And by the way, many of those tricks I found in the print from the moon. <laughs> so I you know, I knew exactly. I said, ah, I see what they did here. I see what they did there. Look here. The shadow is actually added on. This is not real. This was pasted on later. But it was very difficult to do that. So they actually did a very good job for that era. Today with Photoshop, any kid can do better.
2: Massimo Mazzucco my guest he's with me live from Italy uh talking about his film American Moon you can join the conversation at 503-231-8187 503-231-8187 let's talk for a little bit about the Van Allen belts um interesting uh, interviews uh in your film with modern astronauts uh, contemporary who are speaking about the Van Allen belts as a real problem today, uh, as if people hadn't crossed them before. These, these are radiation belts in between, between 1,000 and 25,000 miles uh, beyond Earth, uh, between the Earth and the Moon. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about the significance of those. Are you with me? Oh! i don't believe are you still with me as his phone out oh no well it is hopefully he will call us back massimo uh Mazzucco, uh the uh, his moo is film is called uh, american moon uh about the uh about the the uh, moon landing and the pos and his film is a film was american moon about the apollo 11 project and uh, whether or not that really happened if you'd like to if, if you've heard or talk about it please give me a call uh 503-231-8187 that's 503-231-8187 and uh, offer your thoughts about uh Massimo Mazzucco's film, American Moon. Uh, Coming up uh, later this morning at 10 o'clock, Patricia Welch talks to the Vancouver NAACP about their upcoming Juneteenth celebration. At 10.30, uh, film at 11, welcomes Just Jess of the Monday Sampler to discuss some recent Netflix movies, including Unicorn Store and Rim of the World. And at 11 on the Digital Divide, host Rabia Yaman speaks with author George Dyson about his book, Turing's Cathedral, uh, the story of how the most constructive and most destructive of 20th century inventions, the digital computer and the hydrogen bomb, emerged at the same time. And don't forget that you can hear all of these programs after they air on KBOO.FM or on iTunes and Google Play. All of those KBOO programs are made possible by member support. So go to kboo.fm for that my guest uh, this morning has been uh, Massimo Mazzucco. We're hoping to get him back on the line. We lost connection with him uh, calling from Italy. He is a filmmaker, a journalist. Uh, the film that he made in 2017 is the one we're discussing uh, called uh, American Moon, in which he analyzes both pro and con the various arguments regarding the official story of whether or not uh, astronauts really did go to the moon. And the question I'm going to ask him when he, if, if we get him back again is, is the astronauts themselves. I, after watching that film, I thought, if this really happened, my goodness, uh, these astronauts uh, who landed on the moon are American heroes. Uh, they're icons. If it's true that the the moon landing uh, was a was a hoax and that these astronauts participated in this hoax, uh, that might be the hardest thing, uh, in some respects, to accept uh, to accept the fact that uh, these astronauts uh, who who are the icons and the heroes. Uh, suddenly participating in something that that wasn't real at all kind of deflates your balloon. Well, let's go to Donald in Oregon City. Hi, Donald, are you with me? Yes, I am. Well, what do you think about uh, American Moon?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I I don't want to talk about the movie, but, you know, the the fact is uh, we've been exploring for, you know, hundreds of years already, and the truth is if it was safe there to go, I mean, we, we would have people... They're living and uh taking advantage of the extra space uh. you know you know is it a safety reason why we're not there you know
2: yeah yeah well that was one of the questions that we got cut off when i was talking with him was about the uh the van allen belts these radiation belts in in between <laughs> and so i believe we have uh we have him back donald stay with us uh yes. on, on on there uh, are you with us here uh massimo
3: I am, and I apologize. I lost the I lost the internet connection for a moment here. All right. Well, Italy glad is not exactly. Glad to have you exactly back. the most technological country in the world, you know. <laughs> glad to have
2: you back. Uh, also on the phone with me is uh, Donald from Oregon City, and and Donald asked a question about uh, uh, if it was safe. Donald, ask your question again.
1: Yes, the truth is there is a safety reason, probably, why we're not there. And you know, uh, Americans have always been explorers, and. If it was easy to just go over there and live, I mean, you know, we would have, you know, developed ways to live there on a regular basis because, you know, uh, what what, that that it seems as though like they put a stop on it and we can't go over there and explore or do anything. Yeah.
2: Well, what are the open uh,
1: market there? Unless maybe the Chinese are going to do it before the the Americans. I don't know.
2: All right, Donald. Thanks for the call. Any response, Massimo?
3: Yes, of course. Uh, first of all, I, I wouldn't worry too much about the Chinese. Uh, <laughs> I think today they would have the same problems that everybody has going there. And it, your, your caller raised a very interesting point. Uh, if it was so easy going back and forth back in the 60s, why haven't you? You would expect to have built bases by now, to have built an actual permanent base from which you could launch to other planets uh, like Mars, for example. Instead, we never went back. And uh, the, the official reason was, well, there's nothing out there really. Well, but then you didn't need six missions to go out there to find out that there's nothing. One mission would have been enough. Uh, the problem is that the money had, had already been uh, uh, allocated <laughs> for the six missions, and so they went. But again, this is a very good point. We, by now, you would exp- with the growth exponential growth of progress, technological progress, you, you would expect now to have a city up there, com- minimum with connections with water with air with everything and, and shuttles going back and forth like you know like it's the simplest thing in the world and and we have to it seems like we have to start all over again from zero now we're talking about with an unmanned mission in 3 or 4 years this mission has been pushed back by the way already 3 or 4 times so uh, one wonders, wh- what kind of problems do we have now that we didn't have back in the 60s?
2: Well, you know, that, that comes up. And that, the question I had asked you just before we got cut off was about the Van Allen belts. Uh, and you yeah. had in some interesting interviews with modern astronauts who speak about the Van Allen belts as a real problem today, even as if people had not crossed them before. One, one of the astronauts didn't even know who, who supposedly had gone to the moon. Um, tell us about that.
3: Yeah, this is to the credit of Bart Cibrell, a filmmaker uh, who made this incredible, incredible, incredible documentary called uh, Astronauts Gone Wild. He basically chased down all the astronauts from the Apollo missions, uh, I think from Apollo 10 on, and, and, and uh, ambushed them in a way. So it was not a very nice way to do journalism, but it's very effective. And to each of them, he basically, sometimes he got interviews, sometimes he ambushed them in a the supermarket. And he said, if you have been to the moon, would you swear on the, on the Bible, on this Bible which he was holding, that you went to the moon? And almost none of them did. Only two, I think, out of 12 or 14 astronauts, swear on, on the Bible. But most of them run away. Like, like you know, they've seen the, the devil. Uh, Neil Armstrong was even offered uh, $5,000 cash to give away in, in, um, in, 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 for, for, for good, good uh, opus. But he didn't. Uh, he didn't want to sign. Now, in, in regards to the, one of the interviews, is Alan Bean, a- astronaut from Apollo 12, and Sibrell asks him, uh, did you have any troubles going through the belts? And he candidly answers, uh, because he believes this is being filmed in a pro-moon interview, he candidly answers, he says, I, d- I don't think we went up far enough to even reach the Van Allen belts. Yeah. So what is basically, that this slip of tongue tells us is that most likely the astronauts were put in Earth orbit for seven days where they simply waited for their, you know, grow their beard a little bit and come back seven days later and look all scruffy and roughy and then they went to the moon. Uh, About the Van Allen Belt in general, uh, as I was saying before, I got got cut off. Uh, It is one argument that in itself cannot prove or disprove that we went to the moon because, you know, you would have to go through them personally to test what it's like. But one fact is, which you mentioned, there is this astronaut from NASA today who says, literally, in one of the NASA videos, says, we, we have to figure out shields and protections before we can send people through this region of space. This is his, his actual right. uh, word. And you go, excuse me, well, what did you use 50 years ago that you did, that you don't have now? So it seems like... In the history of the Van Allen belt, when they were discovered by Van Allen, he, w- he said he called them deadly. And they remained deadly in the scientific literature up until the time we needed to go to the moon. In those years we went to the moon, suddenly they were no longer deadly. They were like, you know, the equivalent of just an X-ray, NASA would tell you. But then again, after the, the moon missions are over, now they're dangerous again and we need to figure out protections be- before we can send people through that region of space. So this sounds very much like you know any, anybody would say excuse me just use whatever you used 50 years ago and go again but apparently that technology is no longer available.
2: Massimo Mazzucco is speaking with me live from Italy. He's a filmmaker, a journalist, uh, American Moon is the film. We're talking about the moon landings as we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of uh, Apollo 11 uh, in 19, July 1969 and that brings up the question really of the astronauts after really watching your film and absorbing it and thinking to myself my gosh the hardest thing to accept is is the astronauts themselves uh, american heroes uh, icons uh, and if it's true that this was that they just like flew around earth a few times and then came back it was a hoax that they participated in they, they weren't just fooled like the others they they were actually part of the fooling and that might be the hardest thing to accept
3: well it must have been hard for them, I would accept. Yeah, I, I bet they must have a lot of pressure. Are, as you say, I mean, I mean, you must they must have found themselves in a situation where they had no choice. I mean, when you get to that point in the history, and you're nearing 1968, and everybody's talking about going to the moon, and the entire world is waiting for this to happen, and you just find out that uh, actually we're going to have to fake it, you can't just say, oh, no, I'm going to go to the papers and, 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 and tell the truth because they must have g- given you some very, very, very good reasons uh, to, to not, not to spill the beans. And, of course, they must have lived with this problem or their life. Uh, in fact, their history after the moon missions has been very, very interesting in itself. Uh, I don't want to go to each astronaut's history right now, but, for example, Neil Armstrong, the most famous one, yeah. he became completely... Uh, shunned the world completely he retired and in, he in, in became a professor again I mean you're, you're the first man who went to the moon uh, I mean take a victory lap of two you know or two uh, <laughs> before you retire they just did they just did this yeah they did a trip around the world for publicity but then he basically disappeared he gave almost no more interviews maybe two or three in his whole life and uh, I don't buy the fact that he's just a shy person uh, there must be something more to it you know uh, and you can tell from the press conference that they had uh, six weeks after they return from the moon. If you just study their, their body language, these are not three people who came back from the biggest achievement in the history of mankind. These are three people who are suffering deeply hurting inside for having to put up with with this uh, hoax that they were told they had to they have no choice. But obviously this goes against everything they believe in. So I, I actually feel very, very sorry for them. This guy. Okay. All right, Joe.
2: Um, some people, I guess, don't like what you do. So, um, uh, I, so, so yeah, what has been the reaction uh, from the media, others, uh, to your film? Uh,
3: can, can I can I answer this person anyway? You, you sure can. Uh, uh, because, it, but he's gone. It's but you can answer way... him
2: anyway. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but uh, it's okay. I mean, I'm sure he interprets the the, the, the sentiment of many people. Uh huh. Uh, sir, uh, you must understand one thing. I was born on July 20, 1954. So on on the night of the moon landing, I was turning 15. Not only that, but on that evening, I kissed a girl for the first time. So for me, <laughs> that date has always been a fantastic memory in my youth. The, the best achievement of mankind connected with the best achievement I ever had in in my own personal life so far so imagine for me what it meant when i saw those pictures and i realized that they were taken on earth and they were all fake i'm not particularly happy to have to admit that we were fooled but facts are fact and uh, if you stand by facts facts have a strongest uh, impact on me than anything else so maybe this is the difference between me and you sir uh, you prefer to stay with your own belief, which is perfectly legitimate. I, ha- I, I try to adapt my belief to the facts that I can I can verify.
2: And uh, and they are very difficult because there's uh, uh, many forces, obviously, that uh, that don't want this news out. In fact, you talked uh, in the film about um, NASA itself uh, when when uh, private companies wanted to land unmanned craft that they uh, put a no-fly zone. Uh, around where the landings were.
3: Yeah, this is a curious, a curious fact that happened about uh, ten years ago, in 2011, I think, when when started the Google X price, which was a price of I think 30 million dollars for any private enterprise who would land a rover on the moon and have have it uh, transmit live uh, pictures from the moon. One of the plans was to go to visit the moon landing sites. You know, uh, I think it was a, a, an American company called Astrobotics Technology, who planned to go to visit with the rover, the moon landing site of Apollo 11. And NASA came out with, a, uh, basically forbid them from, from getting even near to those landing sites. The excuse was that they want to preserve the historic landing sites, But I mean, all there is there to preserve is some footprints. And I'm sure that the rover would not have ruined all the footprints there. So they must have had another reason for not to want these rovers to even get near the landing sites.
2: One of the things that you brought, actually, when we started our interview, you talked about how NASA put all of this uh, uh, f- footage uh, on its website. Um, it's almost, uh, almost uh, that was interesting. Why do you suppose they did that? If um, Did they feel that they well, had to do that? Uh, I think that
3: NASA, I mean, NASA is not one person. Right. NASA is a huge, huge organization, and one hand usually doesn't know what the other one does. And in particular with the moon landings, if they were faked, as I, as I assume they were, very, very few people were in the know. So even then, you must have had 99% of NASA people convinced that, that, that the trips were real. So imagine today, 50 years later, who's going to tell a particular person who puts out all the pictures of NASA online, oh, be careful because, you know, there might be a mazuku out there who can spot the, 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 the wrong direction of the mm. shadows or this or that. They, I mean, it's not conceivable that this would happen. The people who put them out there probably convinced that they were real. So had they known for sure that those pictures were fake, they would have disappeared a long time ago. But they're there and they're available and they're ready to defend them even now. And also, uh, there's one thing to be said. I mean, uh, the, the media power that, that the NASA has and official persons have in general is so overwhelming compared to the power any Massimo Mazzucco has that they don't really care. I mean, they, they can let any Mazzucco live and, and say his own thing and they can always – it's never going to get on CNN so to speak or abc or nbc
1: right. and,
3: and so they don't really they don't, they don't really have a problem they say we know there's conspiracy theorists out there we can counter them at any time so let them live probably this is their their position
2: i, I would say your film uh moved to another uh film that you made if you don't mind here that is uh, september 11th the new pearl harbor uh thinking about you know when anybody looks at building seven um uh you know just a collapsing in, in freefall acceleration there for two and a half seconds uh despite that it doesn't matter uh the, the, the power as you mentioned of the media uh yeah. to over overwhelm any dissent is is incredible
3: yeah and they use uh, uh they make fun of you which is a very mm-hmm. effective technique. Uh, this technique was actually uh, uh, in, made up in the 50s in the, in the, um, when they had the Robertson panel about the UFOs, when there was a big, big uh, UFO visitations uh, uh, um, in the 50s, 1952, I think it was in Washington, and all that. They, they, they made this uh, Robertson panel, who, 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 which was tasked of how do we face this problem with, you know, with, with hiding the truth. And one of the suggestions was ridicule, use ridicule as the main weapon to uh, debunk anybody who comes up with uh, UFOs, uh, strange theories. And that idea of using ridicule as as a weapon has has worked fantastically, I have to say, throughout the years, and it's still very effective today. If I bring up 9-11, for example, at at a regular place, regular dinner with people that don't expect it, somebody will certainly come up to me, oh, you're one of those conspiracy theorists who thinks that Americans blew out the towers themselves, right? And there, there, there already goes the, the, the dynamics of, uh, of uh, making fun of you. It's very, very effective.
2: Hey, you use the term conspiracy theorist yourself. <laughs> how, how, how do you... Well, uh, yeah,
3: It is. I, I think that more than conspiracy theorists, these are conspiracy facts. Uh, the problem is how you, do you want to look at them or not? For example, the caller who called before will never look at my film. He has already decided... That yes, we went to the moon, and please don't you know don't don't bother me with these stupid things, which is entirely which is entirely his prerogative to do that, of course. But there's, for example, one person who will not be able to change his mind, even put at stake the, 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 the beliefs that he has. And humanity, unfortunately, or fortunately, if you look at from the other side, has this uh, capacity of holding on to whatever you believe, because if the opposite makes you feel unsafe that we have this, this dynamics called denial, which is actually a very, very helpful system that we have. It's a protection system that we all have. We, can only, we only look at things that we can potentially accept. And if you, if you cannot accept a certain conclusion, you might as well reject it up front, so it's easier. So it, it, every human being goes through their, their personal process, their personal path, and I don't blame anybody for not, leaving, not looking at, at the evidence because I understand this is uh, they, in in their own deep subconscious they cannot afford to possibly find out. Oh my God! You know I was fooled. Like Mark Twain said once, it's much easier to fool a million people than to convince them that they have been fooled. And this is absolutely true.
2: So a philosophical question. We just have a couple of minutes left. I uh, is there? What's your uh, um, perspective on on prognosis on the possibility of of being able to uncover great deceptions, in, in terms of of, of the, va- uh, the the mass majority of people, um, is is there a movement in which um your films are are really and and, and people like you are, are opening up uh, minds that, that that could happen, or is is the opposition so great that it's closing down? What's your perspective on 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 this now?
3: I think that both things that you said are true. There are there's a growing number of people who want to face the truth even though it's painful sometimes and there's a large majority that still rejects that that uh, that truth the 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 consciousness the consciousness of of humanity in general is raising but within that the amount of of people who do not want who are much more comfortable with, with a comfortable lie is still the large majority but you know, in, 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 in regards to the fact that will will it ever come out, will it ever be, become a public domain, it takes time. For example, now if you look at the Kennedy assassination fifty six years now from from it, and more even documentaries on History Channel will basically admit that it was a conspiracy. There's almost no documentary today that will tell you it was Oswald alone. But it took fifty years of discussion of digesting the idea that possibly it was not a lone shooter who, who killed our president. You know, it takes time for an entire nation to come to that kind of uh, conclusion. So I, t- I think for each of these big, big lies, it takes time. And uh, you just, you know, for whoever is ready and they want to find out the truth, the elements are there, and they can make up their own. They can make their own decisions. And for those who are not ready, well, there's plenty of time in the future for that. <laughs> just. Uh, just one thing that uh, I wanted to, to tell uh, your audience. You said that uh, the, the American Moon is available on Vimeo On Demand. It is, but all my films are also available on Amazon.com, which in, in the States is much easier for everybody. Uh, in different countries, like uh, New Zealand, Australia, they speak English, but they don't get Amazon directly, then Vimeo On Demand is a good solution. But for the States, uh, Amazon is probably the, the best solution.
2: I have to say, Massimo uh, Mazzucco, that really was a profound and excellent film. And I uh, advise anyone to take a look at it, whether you uh, agree or disagree, make your own decision. But uh, check out the facts. American Moon is the name of the film. Massimo Mazzucco, uh, my guest. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for being with me today. Thank you, John. This is The Beloved Community. You hear The Beloved Community every second Friday uh, from 9 to 10. Uh, You can find my website uh, ProgressiveSpirit.net or JohnShuck.com. Until next time, be well.
4: Fly me to the moon. All right. Let me play. Among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold
0: my hand. And that Kabu program was made possible in part by Kabu member listeners and support from the Portland State University Hatfield School of Government offering a new master's degree in nonprofit leadership for those who believe in the power of collective action for social change. More information online at pdx.edu slash Hatfield School. And with that, we continue to gradually approach the 10 o'clock hour, at which time Patricia Welch will speak with Vancouver NAACP about their upcoming Juneteenth celebration. Well, one representative thereof. At 10.30, Film at 11 welcomes Just Jess, also of the Monday Sampler, to discuss some recent movies, including Unicorn Store and Rim of the World. At 11 on the Digital Divide, host Rabia Yaman speaks with author George Dyson about his book, Turing's Cathedral, comparing and contrasting hmm, the digital computer and the hydrogen bomb and the curious way in which they both emerged contemporaneously. You can hear all these programs live on the air or later on via kboo.fm or on iTunes or Google Play. See, we rack up a lot of bills making these programs and that bandwidth for the website, that costs money too. And we're able to pay all those bills because a whole bunch of your friends and neighbors and people you've never met and some people you might maybe don't get along with very well. However, you all agree on the importance of community radio and they have invested their resources into a community resource. And you can too at kboo.fm. You click on the donate link. With that, here is, well, in just a moment we'll be joined-